Well, there you go. 2014, uh, the year that was. And what a year it was. A year of highs and seemingly even more lows, at least at a global level. The thing is, if we were to hit the rewind button on 2014 and go 12 months back in time, who of us here today could have predicted what was to come? I mean, planes falling from the sky and Ebola and ISIS and Martin Place. But it all happened, as that video showed. And yet, I I guess what that video didn't show was our own story as individuals this past year. It didn't show what happened to each of us in 2014. But just as like at the global level, the year we've each personally experienced has no doubt had some unexpected twists and turns along the way, things we would never have predicted would happen 12 months ago. But that's the thing about the future, isn't it? We, we just don't know what it holds. And so as we stand here today, with a brand new year stretching out in front of us, the fact is, none of us knows for sure what awaits us on the path ahead. And it's that uncertainty that can leave us feeling quite unsettled, uh, anxious, and even downright scared about the future. Some of us, I know, are already concerned about what might happen in the coming year. We're worried about our jobs. Um, Some of us are worried about family members. Uh, Some are worried about exams. Some are worried about finances. Some are worried about health. And the list goes on. But what if I told you that I already know what I already know what awaits you in 2015? And what if I told you that it's going to be okay? Would you believe me? Now I'm not going to pull out my crystal ball or my tarot cards now. I'm not going to read you your horoscope. I think we can do a little bit better than that this morning. What we are going to do now is we're going to open up the Bible. And we're going to hear from God himself, the author of our lives, as we look together at Psalm 23. Now, if you don't already have a Bible open at Psalm 23, open in front of you at Psalm 23, can I encourage you to grab one now, turn with me to Psalm 23, it's page 392 of the small print, 862 of the large print Bibles. Now, Psalm 23 is, of course, one of the most well-known and dearly loved parts of the whole Bible, and for good reason. It's a psalm that was written about 3,000 years ago, written by King David. And we know that because it tells us so there in the, the psalm's title. See, there up the top of the psalm, it says, a psalm of David. And so it's written by David, and it's a psalm in which he uses two metaphors to describe God. He describes God as a shepherd... And then he describes God as a host. But firstly, David describes God as a shepherd. Look with me at verse 1. Verse 1, David says, The Lord is my shepherd. So David describes God as a shepherd. But notice, not just any old shepherd. No, he calls God my shepherd. Now, remember, this is the God who has existed from forever. 
The God who spoke the heavens and earth into being, who created everything from the largest galaxies to the smallest subatomic particles. He made it all, and he's the one who is, with his great power, holds it all together. He is the immense, eternal, all-powerful God. And whilst David is nothing but a tiny speck by cosmic standards, he's still confident that God intimately knows him, knows all that he's going through, and, significantly, who cares for him. And so David calls him my shepherd. But what does David mean when he uses this metaphor of a shepherd? Well, if anyone knew what it meant to be a shepherd, David did. Uh, Remember, he was a shepherd in his youth before he became Israel's king. And so he knew very well that a shepherd's job was to look after his sheep, to be their provider and protector and guide, to look after them, to care for them. And so it's because David sees God as his shepherd that he is confident that he'll never lack anything he needs. Look with me again at verse 1. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. All that David needs in this life, he knows God will give him. He will not lack anything because God will provide for him. Next, David describes God as a shepherd who makes his sheep lie down in green pastures. Uh, Green pastures are, of course, a place of nourishment and abundance for sheep. And so this is a picture of a shepherd who guides his sheep to the places where they will have more than enough. And it's here in this green pasture that God makes his sheep lie down. Now, chances are you have never seen a sheep lying down in real life. Why is that? Well, one reason is the fact that you live in Sydney. And uh, usually the only sheep we get to see are the ones in small refrigerated packets in coals. But there is another reason, a couple more reasons, in fact, that you don't usually see sheep lying down. One reason is because generally, generally it's up eating, isn't it? It, it? Because it's hungry and sheep don't lie down to eat. And so what does it mean that the sheep in this psalm is lying down? Well, it means that it's stopped eating, doesn't it? Because it's full. Because it's satisfied. And secondly, you don't usually see a sheep lying down because sheep are skittish creatures, aren't they? They're They're easily frightened. So if you come within 200 metres of a sheep, it's usually up on its feet, ears pointed towards you, you know, ready to run away. It's unusual to see a sheep lying down because they're so easily frightened. So for the sheep here in this psalm to be lying down must mean that it feels safe and secure. That it rests peacefully in the presence of its shepherd. Next, David describes God as a shepherd who leads his sheep beside quiet waters too. What are quiet waters? Well, they're certainly not roaring waterfalls or rushing rapids, are they? Where sheep can't drink for fear of falling in and being washed away. No, 
quiet waters are the bubbling brooks and gentle springs and peaceful pools from which sheep feel safe drinking. So this shepherd, he knows all the best places to lead his sheep. He knows where the green pastures are. And he knows where the quiet waters are too. He knows the places of abundance and safety and rest. And so as David follows this shepherd, his weary soul is restored. In other words, he finds refreshment and strength to go on. His shepherd sustains him and restores him. And so David is fully confident that this shepherd knows exactly what he's doing. That all the paths he leads him on are the right paths, the correct paths. The NIV here calls them paths of righteousness, but the literal translation is the right paths, the correct paths, as opposed to the wrong paths. In other words, David knows that this shepherd will never get him lost, that this shepherd will never put him on a path that'll end in disaster, will never take him on a path that he cannot handle. No, this shepherd always leads his sheep on the right paths, the correct paths, paths that will ultimately be best for his sheep. And why does this shepherd go to all this trouble for his sheep? Well, for his own name's sake, because his reputation hangs on it. In other words, God will shepherd David and provide for him and protect him because he's promised that he will do so. He will never abandon David because he has made a covenant with him, as with all God's people. And he will keep his promise. Oh, no wonder David can relax in the care of this shepherd. Read with me from verse 2. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness or on right paths for his name's sake. But David isn't so naive as to think that his life will always be characterised by green pastures and quiet waters. He knows that there will be times when the right path is actually one of darkness and gloom. He knows that sometimes a shepherd needs to take his sheep through deep, dark ravines, into the valley of the shadow of death, even, or literally, the valley of deep darkness, It's the place where the light does not shine, where danger lurks and you never know what the next step will bring. Oh, it's a scary place. But David knows that if the shepherd has brought him here, then it must be the right path. And even though it is a scary place, David knows that he has no reason to fear. Why not? Because his shepherd is with him, right beside him, in the darkness, with his rod in one hand and his staff 
in the other. His rod or club ready to beat off any wild animals that try to attack. And his staff used to tap his sheep back onto the path should they start to wander away. So no, David won't fear. Not because the darkness isn't real, but because his shepherd is with him there in the darkness, there to protect him, and there to keep him from straying. And in this, David finds great comfort. Read with me from verse 4. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the valley of deep darkness, I will fear no evil. I'll fear no harm, no trouble. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, Last week, my daughter Emily uh, came out of her bedroom late one night Uh, quite upset uh, from having a nightmare. Uh, I took her back to bed and I tucked her back in and and I was about to leave her room when she said in the sweetest little voice, oh, Daddy, please stay with me. What could I do? So I lay down beside her and before very long at all, she drifted quietly off to sleep. Now, what changed for her? The darkness was still there Uh, The memory of the nightmare was still there. So where did her peace come from? Well, of course, it came from the knowledge that her daddy was right there beside her. Well, how much more peace and comfort must David have felt in the knowledge that God, his shepherd, would always be there right beside him, even in the darkest times? But now, at this point in the psalm, David switches metaphors on us. Uh, No longer is the scene set out in the pasture lands and ravines, but rather in a house, in a banquet hall. Now, God is no longer a shepherd, but rather the host of a banquet. And now David is no longer a sheep, but rather God's guest at the table. So picture with me a, a lavish banquet where God has set before David a table laden with all the best food and drink. It's all his to enjoy. But it's not just food that David's host offers him. Because in ancient times, hospitality required more than just providing a meal. No, back then the host was also responsible for protecting his guests. In fact, you might even remember the story in Genesis of Abraham's nephew Lot protecting his guests from the wicked men of Sodom. Do you remember? See, ensuring your guests' safety was an important part of showing hospitality. And so here in this picture, David, as God's guest, enjoys God's protection. Even though his enemies surround him, he can eat in safety with absolutely nothing to fear, because God isn't going to let David's enemies harm him. Not while ever he is a guest in his home. But at this banquet, David sees himself as more than just an ordinary guest. Now he sees himself as God's 
special honoured guest. He pictures God anointing him with oil, pouring oil on his head. Now, when you hear that, don't be thinking motor oil, okay? We're not talking Castrol GTX. We're not talking Valvoline here. Think olive oil, okay? Mixed with sweet-smelling perfumes. Poured on the head of a special guest before a meal to honour them. So here, David is God's special honoured guest. Oh, and what a generous host God is to David. I mean, he, he goes all out for him. He holds nothing back. In fact, David says that his cup overflows. You know, it's like David takes a sip from his cup and God's there right beside him, filling up his cup, anticipating his needs, making sure that he never goes thirsty, making sure he's got more than enough. Oh, what a wonderfully generous host God is. Read with me verse 5. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. In my uh, early 20s, I did some backpacking through Europe. And I've got to tell you, I stayed in some pretty horrible youth hostels during that time. And basically lived on bread and water to survive. But before I left Australia, my dad's work colleague gave my dad a piece of paper uh, with the contact details of his sister on it, his sister who lived in Portugal. Actually, she lived in the city of Porto, uh, the same place where the uh, Griffith family are doing their mission work. And uh, this work colleague told my dad that if I was ever in that part of the world, that I should ring his sister. And so as it turned out, I did end up in that part of the world. And I've got to admit, I felt really stupid ringing this family who I'd never met before. Uh, But I did it because I didn't want to uh, offend my dad's workmate who was so keen for us to make contact. Now, I imagined that the phone call would take all of two minutes. You know, I'd say, hi, fulfil all righteousness. righteousness." I'd say goodbye. That would be it. Boy, was I wrong. I gave them a call. I said, hi, my name's Warren. I'm from Australia. I'm here in Porto. Uh, I'm the son of a man who works with your brother, Costa, and uh, he told me to give you a call and say hi. (laughs) No, where are you? The lady on the other end of the phone said, where are you? Um, I probably should explain at this point that I only have two accents, uh, Indian and Italian. Uh, That one was Italian, okay. Where are you, she said. We're coming to get you, she said. You are going to stay with us. And uh, before I knew it, this car arrived um, with a husband and wife and two kids in the back seat and, and in I hopped and they drove away with me. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, they didn't end up homicidal maniacs. In fact, quite the reverse. For the first time in months, I had, I had a real hot shower with like, real water pressure and no need to wear thongs. And then they they kicked their son out of his bedroom and they gave it to me. (laughs) And for the first time in months, I had a bed with a real comfortable mattress and with clean sheets. It was wonderful. And then they went out to their backyard and they killed one of their rabbits and they killed (laughs) one of their chickens and they came in, they cooked them up for me and they prepared a virtual banquet for me. 
And every time my plate was empty, there was the mum. She'd plop on my plate some more rabbit. She'd put on some more, more chicken. Eat, she would say, eat. You know, best Italian accent. And they drove me around Porto and they showed me the sights and for the next week I lived like royalty. And it was such a marvellous thing to experience their incredible hospitality. But after a week I left. And I went back to the bread and water and flea-infested hostels. I guess it, I guess it couldn't last forever. But that's what makes this picture in this psalm all the more amazing. Because David knows that the hospitality of his host will never end. That he will be God's special honoured guest all the days of his life because now God's home is his home. And so he knows that he'll experience the goodness and love of God, his host, forever. Read with me the final verse, verse 6. Verse 6, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so ends Psalm 23. Obvious to see why it's such a well-loved psalm, isn't it? with its two beautiful metaphors that describe God's kindness and care to David. God the shepherd, who leads David to the green pastures and the quiet waters, who refreshes him and gives him strength to go on, who always leads David on the right paths, and whose very presence is all David needs to get through the darkest valleys of life. And God the host who generously provides for David and protects him and serves him lavishly, treating him like a special honoured guest, showering on him goodness and love, and not just for a week or two, but for all the days of his life. It's a wonderful psalm and a wonderful insight into David and his relationship with God. Because the fact is, David had his fair share of green pastures and dark valleys during his lifetime. He was a man who knew the green pastures. He knew the good times, being chosen by God to be king despite his humble beginnings, defeating the the giant Goliath and becoming a national hero. His, His loyal, beautiful friendship with Jonathan in his, his lifelong prosperous reign over a strong, united kingdom. Yeah, he knew, he knew the green pastures. But he was also a man who knew the dark valleys. King Saul's irrational jealousy and desire to kill him. Oh, Jonathan's tragic death. His wife, Michal's public contempt of him. The scandal and shame of his affair with Bathsheba the loss of their baby son and, of course, the tragic death of his other son, Absalom, who tried to seize the kingdom from him. Yet David knew his fair share of green pastures and dark valleys. But what we see in this psalm is a man who, in the best and worst times of life, looks to God as the one who knows him intimately, 
who knows all that he is going through and who cares. In this psalm we see a man who doesn't simply focus on the circumstances of his life, whether good or bad, but a man who focuses on the God who brought him into those circumstances for his own good purposes. The God who always has David's best interests at heart and the God who will always be there ready to strengthen and to comfort and to restore. And so in this psalm we see a man with a quiet confidence. A quiet confidence that no matter what happens to him in his life, it's going to be okay. He knows it's going to be okay because he is in the loving care of his shepherd and lavish host. And so, friends, here we are at the beginning of a new year. 2015 stretches out before us. I wonder what the video of our lives will show in 12 months' time. Friend, the fact is, I I don't know the paths that you'll find yourself on this year. I don't know the paths that I'll find myself on either this year. Gee, I hope there are more green pastures than dark valleys. But at the end of the day, I just don't know. But here's what I do know. And what David knew too. Whatever path we find ourselves on this year... God, our shepherd, knows it's the right path for us. And he will protect us, and he will provide for us, and he will sustain us, and he will restore us every single day for the next 365 days. Every step you take, look over your shoulder, and you will see the goodness and love of God in hot pursuit. And so like David, this is the kind of confidence with which we can go into the coming year. In fact, throughout our entire lives. Knowing that it's going to be okay. One way or another. It's going to be okay. But then you know as Christians, we can be even more confident about this than David ever was. Because the fact is, as Christians, we know the shepherd and the host better than David ever did. Because we know Jesus, don't we? Jesus, who called himself the good shepherd. Who loved his sheep so much. Who loved you so much. That he laid down his life for you. That he might defeat your greatest enemies once and for all. Sin, Satan and death. Defeating them not with a rod and a staff. But on a cross. Jesus the lavish host. Who held nothing back in his service of you. Jesus who washes the feet of his disciples. And who has poured out his very life for you. That your cup of salvation might now overflow. Jesus, the one who now promises to be with you in good times and bad, who says, 
Never shall I leave you. Never shall I forsake you. Whose presence brings comfort and peace. Jesus, the one who promises to only ever lead you on right paths, whether they be green pastures or dark valleys. The one who assures you that all things work for the good of those who love him. And who promises to never give you more than you can bear. Jesus, the one who gives you refreshment and strength to go on, who restores your soul, who says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Jesus, the one who stands ready to lead you all the way to your master's home, who is even now preparing a place for you, where you can enjoy him and his goodness and love forever. Yes, Christian. That is the confidence with which you can face the future. These are our God's promises to you and to me in Jesus Christ. So do you believe him? Will you believe him? You know, you who are worried about exams, will you trust him to get you through? You who are concerned about someone in your family, will you trust them to the shepherd's care? You who are fearful about your job, will you leave it with him? You who are worried about finances, will you trust him to provide? You who are anxious about your health, will you put yourself in his nail-scarred hands? Will you trust him? Because you know, it is all going to be okay. Come what may, with the Lord as our shepherd and our host, It's going to be okay. Would you please pray with me? Our Father, thank you for being so uh, intimately and personally and passionately concerned about each one of us here today. Thank you that you are such a good shepherd and such a lavish host to us. That you promise to care for us and to provide for us and to protect us into the future. And so, Father, fill us with confidence as we face the coming year. Please help us to trust in you each and every day. Help us to give you praise for the green pastures and the times that our cup overflows and and help us to trust you in the dark valleys and when our enemies surround us. Father, thank you that this year you will give us everything we need and so much more. Thank you that with Jesus it's going to be okay. Please fill us with your comfort and your peace as we now entrust ourselves to you. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.